Welcome back, everybody. You're not on drugs. This is the Unreal Experience. I am your host, Alex from Unreal and Gaming. And here today on the show, I have another very special guest. He is a horror fanatic and an up-and-coming YouTuber himself, a podcaster. I want you guys to please welcome with me here today, Mark and I. And how's it going, my friend? Pretty good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, of course, man. It's been... I would say a very interesting experience. I was on your podcast last year and what a year it was. I, I know that it's interesting to see how things kind of played off because this is, I mean, we're in 2021 and I'm really, to me, I'm very excited to see what this year holds because last year was just a complete shit show, man. And me and you, we've been friends for quite some time. We've been talking, you know, in and out from time to time. And I've noticed that your channel is primarily focused on gaming in particular, the one thing that caught my attention was you're a huge fan of like horror games, Dead Rising, Fear, Resident Evil. And at the same time, when looking back at 2020, we didn't really get much from that year, which was very unfortunate because, you know, just like the games, you're a huge fan of the movies like Halloween and, and stuff like that. And as am I. And I was really kind of hoping that 2020 was going to give us a lot of great things, but unfortunately it didn't. So when looking at how far we've gotten into entering a new year, what was that transition like for you in terms of how 2020 went and just your overall expectations as to what perhaps maybe this year may hold for us? So it's interesting you bring it up. I, I've had a YouTube channel for a long time. I want to say, God, I think it was like 2008, 2010 since I've had my channel. And I made a few, I made some content here and there. I didn't really know what I was doing, had no guidance, just, you know, playing uh, some Pokemon games. And that was, that was pretty much the channel. And then after the like things took a turn for the worse in 2020 and everybody's working from home, I just found myself being bored. And I'm like, you know what? Let me actually take a more serious crack at YouTube again and see what I can do. And I, I, I remember like 2019, 2020 recent years, there was a handful of games that came out and it just they were a serious letdown games as a service, seasonal models, microtransactions. Nothing really felt like like what can you name some? Uh, yeah, well, okay, so Destiny was a huge franchise that I think kind of fell off for me. Yeah, um, same another, <laughs> same I, I was, oh man, I was so invested in that. And now it's all seasonal content. Because it's like Bungie, dude. I had hope because yeah. of Halo. Yeah, me too. I've, I've since uh, departed from anything uh, Bungie. I don't, I don't know if I can trust that. I, I don't blame you. Bro. And then we had, uh, we had, uh, oh God, what was the Anthem was another one that I was really looking forward to. I was stoked about that. And then that was a huge crash and burn fall off. Uh, and from there, it just seemed like, you know, battle royales were the only things that people were trying to put a lot of effort into. And it made me start to think about the games that I played back when not everything was online and pushing updates and seasons and right. stuff like that. Right. It was you buy the game, you enjoy the main campaign of the story and, and jump into it. So my channel mostly started to be about, I would say, more like nostalgia classics, things that are mostly 10 years old. We got Dead Space in there, like you pointed out, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, like original PlayStation versions of these games, um, and so on. And I really wanted to do a thing where I was like, okay, I want to play games that I like, and maybe there's an audience for this, maybe there's not, but maybe we'll do daily videos at 10 a.m. for just kind of your casual stuff. Anyone can jump in. I keep it clean. I don't use any foul language or anything like that. But then at night, 12 hours later at 10 PM, that's when we get into Mark after dark. That's where I start like doing a little bit more of the bloody gory, violent things and things get a bit more intense. Like I even made a special intro. I ripped off a, like a, a Hulu, like TVMA intro. Right, as well. right. 
But Sounds I kind of kinky, there. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So I put that on there, and I was like, I, my goal was, and I've got like a dry erase board behind me, was to just power through every single one of these games that I remember growing up with and not having to worry about updates and patches and this stuff. It's just single campaign, and it, it's it's been a lot of fun. And, and because of the lockdown, it's not been... Um, I, I've been super fortunate, so I haven't really suffered as much as some other people have. Um, and it's just been giving me a lot of time to focus on my passions, which I realize now are just playing through classic games and replying to comments for people that uh, care to check them out. I think these um, these lockdowns and stuff really affected the entertainment industry a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot more than people really give it credit for. Um, a good example is seeing all the movies that got pushed back. Um, yeah. It's kind of surreal looking back on it now because... It kind of seems a little taboo because not too long ago we were out in movie theaters and in groups with friends enjoying ourselves and doing whatever. And now it's like you're kind of confined to being home. You're confined to watching movies from home, which isn't a bad thing. But I'm sorry to say watching Wonder Woman, what was it 1984 or whatever, when it dropped on HBO isn't the same as it would be going to no. the movies, right? So I would only assume that would be the same thing for movies like Godzilla vs. Kong, which I'm super, super excited to see, but oh, definitely. I don't think I'm going to be as, as excited as I am just sitting home watching it, you know? So when looking at the state of the entertainment industry and seeing the state of movies and games, do you think 2020 was underwhelming? Because we did have certain things drop and certain things come out. Um, I will give credit to a lot of the um, indie companies that put out a lot of crazy games on Steam, but like I would say AAA titles and stuff, not not so much. Um, the only game I can think of right now that was um, triple esque, kind of like horror style, was like The Last of Us Two. That was that received mixed um, mixed reviews. What are your thoughts on what we've seen go down within the movie industry and within the gaming industry in 2020? And do you think that perhaps maybe this year we're going to be seeing something come about to where it's a tad bit better? We're going to be getting better games, more movies, and maybe the opportunity to go out and see them in theaters? Or do you think this year is kind of going to be like a little copy and repeat or just copy and paste of what we've seen and experienced go down in 2020? I think if anyone has ever been in the movie theater and stayed like through, let's say, a Marvel movie and you watch all the credits so you can get that after credit stinger, you see how many people are really involved in the making of that specific movie, which just shows that there are many, 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 many moving parts. And there are so many little and big things that go into making a movie and the same thing about video games as well. And when you have to rely on so many people for those AAA titles, it's hard when you don't maybe have that face-to-face communication. You have to rely on email. Maybe you have to call someone, but maybe they're in a meeting. Like you don't really know what the day looks like for anyone because you don't share an office space when you're working from home. You're literally working in your bedroom probably, or maybe you're lucky enough to have an extra room to, to work and you're trying to avoid distractions like kids running around that can't go to school. Like all those things definitely impact it. And I think video games and the quality of video games that, that we've gotten over the past few years have shown that there's corporate involvement and then there's COVID involvement. And I, I can't, I can't really say definitively, I mean, how much of each is impacting things to the negative, but like, I, I would, I would say, for example, like Destiny 2, not necessarily a horror game, but made from Bungie and Destiny is a triple A title. I think year, year over year, every new expansion is met within the first two days with praise. And then once you kind of see how, like, how shallow the content is that you've paid for, typically full triple A game price, 
people are furious. But because we keep paying for it, we keep getting that. Now, on the other hand, Bungie had released uh, a, a new expansion as well during COVID. And I think one could argue that, sure, maybe, you know, there are some areas that were a little rough around the edges because they were all working from home. But at the same time, I'm also looking at it like, well, I kind of expect this amount of uh, content from Bungie for full price, which is why I've kind of departed from wanting to play that game, you know, these days. Movies, on the other hand, it's like, well, you, you can't really get people into theaters. So that form of entertainment is sort of axed right now. I, I saw uh, an article actually today that said that Wonder Woman 84 had released in theaters on eight and on HBO Max simultaneously. And I believe today uh, it took number one spot at the box office with only five million dollars. Keep in mind that Marvel movies like on a, on any sort of weekend are crushing with like 60 to a hundred million, yeah, hundred million like, dollars. Yeah, man. Weekend. And, and they had also said that Wonder Woman 1984 had like a 67% decline from first week to second week. Now I saw the movie and it was terrible for a variety of reasons. In my opinion, awful, awful movie. And I don't think that had anything to do with COVID. I just think that had to do with really contrived writing and cliches thrown in and but do you think that maybe covid or whatever the case may be had some sort of a, a play in putting a lot of pressure on companies and you know studios to hurry up and produce the product on because they're under a deadline because a good example of some of the fears i have are i'm, I'm really looking forward to halloween kills I'm really looking forward to Kong versus Godzilla, but I know those movies have deadlines. And the only thing that concerns me is are the people behind these projects going to be rushed and pressured into, you know, finishing these things with half-assed quality because or maybe even half-assed writing because a lot of these movies have been kind of re-rolled uh for reshoots and and rewritings and it's kind of crazy because like I don't think when when going into 2019 and then exiting out of that into 2020 did anyone ever think like all right well we're going to see the cancellation of this 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 and this and it's all going to be taken back for reshoots or rewrites and then we may we may get it next year we may not so like do you think the current situation with the world kind of had like added on pressure to these companies and just getting it out there or is it just self negligence on behalf of the writers and people like you just said for Wonder Woman that just produced something that wasn't all that great in quality and just put it out there anyway? I think I think there's a combination of both, and it, and it's hard from the position of you know sitting in our chairs you know in front of our mics and being able to have the the facts in front of us and to say it. But I think it's clear to say that while sure there may might have been some influence on say Wonder Woman 1984 on the quality due to COVID, but at the same time, I'm also looking at like, when was this filmed exactly? Like for the most part, most movies are filmed six months to a year in advance prior to them hitting theaters. And then after that, it's all editing and, and whatever. And I didn't have a problem with the editing so much as the overall writing, the cardboard acting, the lousy CGI effects, all things that are done, you know, away from COVID elements, I think. Now, as far as the future is concerned, I think we got to look at a couple of different things. You've got people that want to make a movie. And then you've got people that want to make money from a movie. And then you've got sort of the kind of middle ground. Like if you're in the business of making Hollywood movies, I mean, chances are you're making, you know, a pretty decent paycheck from week to week or whatever that looks like. But I think a lot of people also don't just plan on, okay, I'm going to make this one movie and it just needs to make money. And then after that, I'm going to dip and I'm done. They want to make things of quality. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it, uh, God, what is it? Uh, Danny something, the comedian, wasn't he the guy who made the first, uh, like Halloween, uh, remake the recent oh, one. Oh, uh, Danny McBride? Um, thank you. Yes, Danny yeah. McBride. 
And Danny McBride, he had said when he was talking about the first Halloween that he made, he's like, you know what? Like, this is a passion project of mine. I really want this to be good. And this was before COVID. And I'm just thinking, like, I love Danny McBride as a comedic actor. But Halloween was like, whoa, that is way out of anything I'd ever expect from him. But he really was adamant in interviews talking about how serious he was and passion he was about it being good. Now, I can't say necessarily that it was a perfect movie, but it was so much better than I expected, and I'm looking forward to anything he has his hands on. And he did say before the first one uh, was complete that he's like, you know what? We don't know what we're going to do with the Halloween 2. We just hope this one does well and people like it, and if they like it, then we'll continue on with the story somehow. Well, fun fact there, um, they did have a plan to go forward uh, only if the movie was successful. And I remember that because they had it, they they kind of had like an ambiguous ending to where uh, you didn't really know if Michael was dead or alive. Right. And if the movie underperformed, then your perception would be ultimately that Michael burned and died in the house. But spoiler alert, he didn't. So we're getting Halloween kills. And ultimately, um, following that, Halloween ends because uh, I think contractually, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, agreed from Halloween 1 to continue if Halloween 1 were to be a success, which was Halloween 2018. And... Now that, and I was super hyped to see that uh, last October and we didn't get to see it. And I was just so bummed out because from what Danny and from what um, the people behind, even John Carpenter himself, after reading the script, he said that this was going to be something that was really going to impact the audience in such a way to where they wanted to kind of mimic, in a sense, uh, how Marvel, you know, had Thanos be introduced as like the victor. So on, my my only assumption was finally for for at least one movie we're going to see Michael Myers kind of emerge victorious in some way, shape, or form by possibly slaughtering dozens of people along the way because you have to also consider he just escaped a giant burning house. You can only imagine if someone did, you would want revenge, right? So that was one thing that I would say that, you know, I I was really super adamant about, super excited for, but, you know, the state of the world happened and what more can you do about that? So I do agree. I think that when looking at, the aspect of writing and the aspect of introducing something, uh, it, it does dawn on the people behind it to hold them accountable for what they do in terms of something not being as successful. For example, Wonder Woman. Um, a lot of people are going to disagree with you and saying, oh, well, Wonder Woman was a masterpiece. What are you talking about? You know, fair play to you. Um, but in your opinion, to you, what are some of the horror movies? Let's just put that into perspective first because we were supposed to get A Quiet Place too. We were supposed to get... You know, a bunch of stuff. What are some movies that you're looking forward to this year that kind of has you on the edge of your seat to say, despite everything that's happened, I can't wait to see that movie. Or even if you want to go into the gaming the gaming world, if you can just pick out some movies or some games, particularly I would say horror just because of what you're doing on your channel, what would those games and movies be? So there, there was a couple games that just kind of come up. I know uh, we had talked about this prior to recording. We were looking at uh, Back for Blood. Yes. And Back for Blood looks to be truly amazing. And I, I've, I've long since, uh, and I think I'm among uh, a large community of people, uh, I've been irritated with Valve and yes. how they sit on these amazing franchises that people just want more and more and more and more. And for me, you know what, like I always have said, you know what, if it's not broke, don't fix it or, you know, you don't need to change anything like Left 4 Dead 2 is great. Improve it in the areas that need to improve, but I don't need a whole new UI. I don't need a whole new system. I just want 
more of that just craziness and the hordes of zombies and guns and all that. And so Left 4 Dead is now getting a spiritual successor called Back for Blood that looks to be that. And I think it's great because it, it's coming from the original creators and that looks super amazing. And I remember how many, how, how much fun and how many hours I had with Left 4 Dead 2. And it had a, a major update that came from the community. And it just kind of just shows like where Valve's priorities are is that Basically, a bunch of modders and, and fans put together like a massive update, the first update that Left 4 Dead 2 had seen within 10 years. And Valve was like, OK, you know what? This is actually good enough quality. We didn't have to do it. Let's go ahead and like make this an official update. And it was fun and it was good, but it wasn't the meat that I was looking for. And I'm thinking that Back for Blood is exactly that. Now, there's trailers out there that are extremely gory and extremely violent at a point where you actually have to log into YouTube to actually look at them due to said violence. And they have a red band trailer that was just amazing that I was super duper excited for. And that one is supposed to come out uh, in 2021 at some point. And I don't know. Uh, I think it's uh, let me take June 22nd, 2021, published by Warner Bros. Games, coming from the original uh, Turtle Rock peeps like it just looks solid. It's got everything that you want in there. Massive hordes of zombies crazy super zombies like you've got like this brand new two to three story tall ogre that just comes like from underneath the street and it's just ripping like you know all these uh constructs around you that down. reminds me and of it, the game evolve because i think they were also yes, evolved too yeah yeah so this so evolve was a was a, a fun concept but it fizzled out very quickly but i do think this sort of takes the best parts of Left 4 Dead, mixes it with the Evolve, turns it up to, you know, 11, and then throws in Doom-level gore in it. And in the trailer, obviously because this is just an audio recording, we can't show it, but in the trailer, spoiler alert, there is a moment where the ogre zombie, this massive behemoth of a creature, grabs one of the survivors like a freaking six-inch action figure and just crushes him to blood pudding. And it is so beautiful and so remarkable. I was like, okay, God, like I want to pre-order this right now. Granted, I know I don't condone pre-orders after everything that happened. RIP Cyberpunk 2077. Oh but, man. But like that got me so on edge that I am super excited. Like I'm not with like I've I've streamed before, but I like doing YouTube more, not streaming. But this is a game that I feel like if it's done the way that I think it's done, is truly going to shake things up a little bit in the zombie genre of which i am like so obsessed with i hope so because i saw a gameplay i, I really wanted to be a part of the alpha beta i i wasn't able to get in darn um, I, I was yeah. so excited because i was watching a lot of people stream it and play it um there is one little concern i have and that's a lot of the zombies seem very easy to get over um by comparison when looking at left for dead those zombies kept coming actually they they never walked towards you they they came at you in droves and i felt as though when i was watching some of the alpha gameplay uh footage i was like all right well why are they, why are these zombies simply standing around or just walking whatever but as the game progressed you get to see like the level of chaos that it introduced and it, and it really gave me high hopes because i've always wanted a left 4 dead 3 we just never got a left 4 dead 3 because valve publicly came out to say well we don't do threes half-life right they don't do threes at all they just don't it's not their thing fine so i'm really hoping that you're right when you say that they're going to take that element and flip it because i'm, I'm going to be getting it for whatever next gen console is going to be for but more importantly the pc because i want to see what the workshop has to offer when people create their own scenarios or you know maps because i was playing that on left 4 dead to see like for example 
I love Resident Evil. I actually downloaded the Raccoon City Police Department, the entire Resident Evil 2 and 3 stories on Left 4 Dead 2's PC version because it just had those kind of maps and introductions and stuff. So uh, speaking of in terms of that, so Back for Blood is one of them. I know you wrote an article uh, about that just recently, but what are your thoughts on Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village? Is that something else that you're looking forward to or are you kind of like on the fence oh, with that yeah. one? Oh, yeah. So one of the things that I realized when i went back so right now like i i kind of jump around different franchises but a lot of zombie stuff on the the darker more violent things that i post later in the evening on my channel and i gone through the silent hills i gone through the, the first two resident evil games which i believe were both on playstation one I yes say. and and i remember both of those types of games they share a lot of similarities with each other but a lot of it is just the puzzles are or sort of absurd like they're a little bit crazy like okay like how in the hell do you really think that this is going to be like what you have to do to get through this? Like, I remember so many people that I had spoken to that were just like, they had to look it up online or talk to friends. Like it, it took a lot of work to figure out how to beat those games because the complexity was just so random. And then when you get to, I want to say Resident Evil 4, things become a little bit more action oriented where you don't like, you need to think, but it's not like, oh my God, like I have to literally step outside of the box and then I have to like, you know look at things under a microscope to try and figure things out like it's not as crazy as that and so four five six seven their respective dlcs expansions or whatever i feel like while there might be a little bit of criticisms i think specifically with resident evil 6 there was a lot of really great things done in there that i personally enjoyed and i feel like after the the masterpiece i feel that resident evil 7 was eight looks gorgeous and if i'm not mistaken i think the teaser showed off what looked to be werewolves i think like yeah, going they're, they're on like this. half wolfmen see here's the thing yeah. i don't want to give it away um recently in i would say december there was a massive massive leak uh because there were hackers that hacked into capcom um i think they were disgruntled employees i think some of them may have been anonymous hackers but regardless uh they held up capcom they made demands uh nothing was met and a lot of footage, a lot of early alpha gameplay testing footage, but a lot of it was released. I saw it. Ooh. I saw pictures. I saw things that were a little confusing because I was wondering, like, okay, what's going on here? But I think what this game is going to do is, from what I've seen, and I, I don't want to give anything away, but they have definitely borrowed, uh, they definitely borrowed elements from um, Resident Evil 5 resident evil 6 and the only reason why i'm mentioning 6 is because there was one particular moment where it took me back to say okay i haven't seen that be uh, i haven't seen that specific thing be done in quite some time and the last time i think i saw this was resident evil 6 um lots of elements borrowed from re2 re3 again it just feels like this massive cluster of all the all the previous re games but there were a few confusing things um, especially with the narrative of uh, Ethan and Mia, or at least what you perceive to be Mia, wink, wink, uh, and just everything that they're going to be including with Chris. And I love this narrative that Chris is going to be playing this role of some sort of a mercenary, or at least people perceive him to be a bad guy. Um, I'm just hoping, because like you just pointed out, for six, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. I, I'm actually so much of a Resident Evil fan that I followed the original manga or the comics back in Japan, when, for example, not a lot of people know this, but Nemesis was originally a boxer until Umbrella had experimented on him, threatening to kill his family. Um, and he was, hence why he's so big and jagged. In, 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 in the comics, 
he was actually a pro fighter. He was a boxer. They kidnapped him. They wanted him because of his genetic makeup. He was a really strong athlete. They threatened his family. You know, mutated him. He became the nemesis. A whole bunch of stuff, as you may know, with um, with Berkland and everybody else. So I'm really hoping that Village opens the doors to something new. I, I'm I'm I don't know how many Resident Evil games you've played, but I'm kind of sick of this narrative of seeing every single Resident Evil game kind of end off the same, right? Sunsets and rainbows, and we've escaped. They, you know, we've done this and that. I want to see something happen to where it's like, oh oh, like, what was that? Like, that was, what? Did that really just happen? So, like, what are your expectations for this? Do you think that with RE7 and the way they've constructed that game and the way they put that game together, do you think that Village is going to have a much greater impact in a positive way to where it's going to get people saying, you know what, I love this direction? Or do you think that in some way, shape, or form, Capcom's going to give us something so amazing to look forward to and then just drop the ball in the end. It's you know it's hard to say because I, I feel like these days there's a lot of how do I say this? I, I I think there's a lot of attention and focus on trying to make as much money as possible. And sure, maybe sure I, I don't know I I don't know if I would say that Capcom is entirely guilty of that. I would say from the Resident Evil franchise for the most part I feel like they've done a really good job of delivering. I feel like Resident Evil 6, in my experience, is probably the worst game, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. Like, there's always going to be one at the bottom of the list, but that sure. doesn't mean it's like necessarily bad. I, yeah. <laughs> or dead aim. So, yeah, you're right. So I think I, I think from having not seen too much more, and you know more about it than I do because you've seen the leak, and I've I've stayed away from it. I, the only thing that sh- I've that's caught my attention is the visuals, and I don't think it was any gameplay footage that I've seen. And the introduction of a new type of monster, not a mutant zombie, not a crazy altered zombie, like not some sort of like mutated version of a shark or of a lizard or whatever, or a spider, big spider or something like the the wolf aspect of it is a, is something that I didn't think Resident Evil would would do. You know, like that's in, like in, that's like throwing in vampires and werewolves in there. And I just I didn't think that would be some something we'd ever see that like happening. But at the same time, I feel like these days you can't. You can't trust anyone with your money. You can't trust companies like, for example, we talked, we just briefly touched base on Cyberpunk CD Project and The Witcher, like Rocky Start became a great game, but Cyberpunk feels like a total misleading, mismarketed ripoff and they made tons of money and they ran off with it. And who knows if the game is ever going to be what they promised. And there's been, and I, I think that's the biggest example for me of like, okay, I am never trusting another company again because at the end of the day like remember yeah these are companies that we're fans of maybe you own a t-shirt of capcom or a hoodie or something with that logo on there but this is a company that wants your money and 60 dollars for a game may not seem like a lot but to some people it is and i don't know if i want to put myself ever in a position regardless if the franchises has been you know an eight out of ten or higher for every single game I just want to wait. I think it looks very intriguing from a story perspective. I think that the certain elements that we haven't seen before being introduced in this, I think is very, very interesting, but I don't know if I can say anything other than that. Am I looking forward to it? Yes. Am I going to pre-order it? Uh, I say I'm not, but maybe I will. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably pick it up on PC, but I, I don't know. Resident Evil, I don't think from a core mainstream franchise point of view has ever really let me down 
but you know what? I expected a lot of other companies to deliver and they just didn't. So, well, I mean, um, I, I think they learned, uh, they learned a lot, hopefully from resident evil six. Um, I agree with you. I don't think that cause I was never hyped for cyberpunk. Um, I, I looked into it maybe two months prior to its release and I was like, you know what? I'm getting saints row vibes. I'm getting, um, you know, true crime vibes. I'm getting grand theft auto vibes. Why not? Right. I, I feel like, it's yeah. something to look into and it's something to invest in. Maybe it's going to be a great game and I got it and I've never been more confused. Um, I, I have it for the PS5 and I'm wondering to myself, like, what, what even is this? Um, you're on the street and if you punch a civilian, it's, it's almost as though, like, if I walked up to you on the street and I punched you, you're going to have a reaction. You punch a civilian, they stand there, they give off, like, this comment or two and they either run away or they just drop down to the floor. It's the most, it's, it's, weird and it's like dude so i think when looking at games like village um i'm excited i just hope that story wise they they execute and give us a good story because i'm not sure about you but i'm really i'm starting to get a little tired of like oh well guess what we have this virus oh now we have another virus oh but that virus just mutated into this virus and it's like all right man like you know we've had this whole backstory of umbrella we had this whole backstory of this company and that company and this entity and that entity and we had Sadler from Resident Evil 4 and we had the Ouroboros and all this crazy stuff right I'm just hoping that whatever this is from Village comes to deliver because that's going to be one game that I'm sure as you are and many other people they're going to be playing streaming doing videos on I know I am uh because I'm I just like Dragon Ball I'm a huge fan of you know horror especially Resident Evil um so that's that's at least one thing, or at least now with Back for Blood, those are two things that I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, I can't say much about any other game. I just recently discovered uh, Ebola 2, which it may sound funny, but it's actually a game, um, and it's a mix. I told you off camera, it's a mix between Silent Hill and Resident Evil, and when I first looked into it, I was like, all right, I saw another Resident Evil channel by the name of uh, Residents of Evil Play It. And the game just felt super, super RE-esque uh, because I do believe it's the people behind uh, the making of Resident Evil that did this. And it's just a beautiful game that I think everyone should try out. It's it's very difficult because you get a sense of PT mixed with, you know, Resident Evil, Silent Hill. You get all these elements and it's like, what what is happening, right? So that that's in terms of games. I mean, there are many other games outside of horror that I think I'm looking forward to. But in terms of that, those are two. But what about movies? Like, are there any other movies that you're, you know, looking forward to this year? Because last year in September, I believe we were supposed to get The Conjuring 3. We were supposed to get A Quiet Place 2. We were supposed to get Halloween Kills. None of that came out, obviously. So do you think those movies are set to be released this year? Uh, And just in, in, in general, like what are just some of the ones that you're looking forward to being the fact that, again, you're a horror fan that also covers horror content? So I think so Halloween Kills is one and I feel like as a as a sort of seasonal tradition they release them I mean in October. And so I think Halloween Kills is still kind of targeting that that area and I don't know I don't know how this year is going to go. I mean the politics kind of come into play and depending on where you stand that depends on how serious uh you take, you know, certain climate related issues on on you know COVID and whatnot. So who knows how long it's going to last. Now I do know that vaccines are starting to pop up. Um, I know people that have already been introduced to the vaccine and have taken it, having worked at a hospital, and there's talks that we're going to have vaccines by March. So if that's the case, maybe that's enough time for the remainder of the year, the second half of 2021, to kind of get its act together and get back in the groove of things. 
one thing that I would say that is on my mind that I'm looking forward to, but in a negative is the resident evil remake movie. Like I am so overwhelmed with how bad it sounds that I'm scared. So, okay. First of all, Chris Redfield is played by Robbie freaking Amell. And that is Stephen Amell's younger cousin. Stephen Amell is the guy who plays Green Arrow. Robbie Amell played Firestorm, the original Firestorm in the Arrowverse. He was in The Duff. Uh, he was like that sort of, I don't know, I guess he would be like the, the the male lead in that movie. And I think he was in a few other shows that kind of just went like nowhere that nobody really cared about. Right. Now, I will say this. If you look at Robbie Amell's face. His face is shaped just like the PlayStation one version of Chris Redfield. So from that perspective, sure. Like I think maybe there is some sort of visual connection there, but with his voice, his lack of gravitas, I think his presence in film, I do not think that he's going to do a good job. I think that the casting across the board is crazy off the wall that I never would have expected. It's mostly a bunch of nobodies, but if you look at the nobodies that are playing major roles like Albert Wesker is in here. The Tom Hopper, he was the guy who plays Luther um, in the Umbrella Academy. He's playing Albert Wesker, which uh, I I can sort of see. That's the only one that I'm going to be like, okay, like maybe, but the rest of the cast for the most part is relatively unknown and they look nothing like their video game counterparts. Now, far be it from me to stand in the way of a brand new creative vision from the creators but that are taking this on but the guy that's in charge of this is a who's directing it and i believe he also is doing the screenplay his name is johannes roberts and he doesn't really have a whole lot going for him in terms of his resume i'm looking at his wikipedia page for reference right now but he has only a few movies that he's done and i'd say for the most part there's sort of nothing he did a movie in 2003 called Hellbreeder, a horror movie called forest of the dam in 2005 and then a few movies in between 2016 and 2019, 47 meters down. Like it just, I just don't know if this is the type of guy that you want to trust with a big franchise. And so I'm looking at this from like a screenplay, a director standpoint. I'm like, mm, his resume of movies, they, they're all relatively unknown flops. Why would you trust that? You had Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson, right? Who did like the Resident Evil. Oh no, we, we don't Joe speak about his name around these neck of the woods, man. Like, the the resident those Resident Evil movies were not great, but they were Bro, fun. It, yeah, like, oh they no, were, they they were fun if they weren't labeled as Resident Evil. Um, that dude, I don't I don't, I don't know what his I don't know what his deal. I'm not saying like keep everything identical to the source, but dude, like you threw in things that literally contradicted itself many times over. You contradicted your own movies every single movie on over. Resident Evil two contradicted three, three contradicted four, and it's and it just kept going. And then you had the finale, like you have the, I think it was final chapter, contradict everything. And it was just like, it's just one big contradiction. But at the same time, I think with Paul, obviously, I think he married his wife uh, right around Resident Evil 1 or when it was finished. So you want to have your wife star in these films, whatever, you know, just keep everything convenience keep everything you know the narrative keep it you know suitable and i think keep it you know reliable to the source instead of just you know having this fictional character be introduced by the name of alice who never was in in resident evil and making her basically become like magneto slash dark side superman like she was crazy right so with what you just said i only have hope because i think the director because i don't know if you saw like the set leaks or, or or any of the pictures 
but they're keeping it true to the name of Resident Evil by, by a sense of including replicas of the Raccoon City Police Department shot for shot by including, um, you know, uh, landscaping shots and including environmental shots that are original to the old school games. So whatever they're going to do, I'm not sure if they're going to dabble with the RE1 Spencer Mansion first or if they're going to jump into two. I'm not sure. But from from what I've seen, courtesy of Residents of Evil, it looks like an exact replica of the games, which is the only thing I have hope for because if you're going to keep that narrative alive, then have the story be written in a sense where everything, you know, can at least remain loyal to the to the original source material and you don't end up including, you know, a a, a Joker-esque or a Thanos-esque character that that isn't even supposed to be in Resident Evil to begin with, right? Because we've seen that with uh Paul W.S. Anderson's version when he introduced Resident Evil, he was including all of these weird tyrants and all these monsters that really had no bearing to Resident Evil at all. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, so when you put it like that, I mean, that's definitely fair. Paul W.S. Anderson focused a lot on nepotism to keep Mila around in all of his movies. Even he's got, like, that new Monster Hunter movie that he's throwing her in. Like, there's there's a lot of aspects to it that I've got a problem with. On one side, it's like, okay, this is a movie that has the Resident Evil label in a bunch of zombies, and it's honestly pretty much a garbage movie. But... It's fun, and I don't expect anything from it. I guess from this side, I read that they were going to be true to the games, and I was like, okay, that's a positive. My problem is with the cast, only in that maybe having unknowns is a good idea, because if you have, like, Brad Pitt playing, you know, Leon Scott Kennedy, it's like, okay, someone of that magnitude and star power, it, it takes you out of, like, the the believing that you're in sort of the experience with the characters as they're going through these horrors and atrocities, like, in the movie. So I guess... That's a benefit. I just I, I'm nervous that because he hasn't done anything successful that and he's got someone like Robbie Frickin Amel, who is basically a cardboard cutout of an actor. Like, I don't know if that's really going to be enough. I mean, sure. I mean, granted, the bar is very, very low because Paul W.S. Anderson, he made he didn't really respect the fans, nor did he, does he respect the audience. He just figures we're all dumb and we're going to forget everything from movie to movie and retcon everything and just change it just so he can move the, the story and action along and throw in more monsters and explosions than we need. But that being said, I mean, I'm still going to see it. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to see the movie. I'm just, I, I want to keep myself in check because if I let myself have expectations, I know that that's going to probably be, bite me in the end and that seems to be the case now that said i wanted to ask because i don't remember the new scream movie that wasn't set to be this year was that a 2022 2022 and at this point i mean like like you stated um i'm not sure what the state of the world is going to be uh for all we know i mean before we get into that i want to touch bases which is going to tie into scream 5 i'm not sure how true this is because this was mentioned quite a few times um in about 180 days the governments of the world, or at least here, they, they're they set to confirm and reveal lots of quote-unquote groundbreaking evidence on aliens. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know what 180 days from now is, but whatever that may be, I'm looking forward to it because I want to know if there is, you know, something crazy out there. But, I mean, b- between now and literally next January, uh, anything can happen. Like, And that's what I think is kind of concerning because nobody really thought 2020 was going to end up the way it did, and it ended up being really, really bad. Um, so I'm hoping that this year kind of stirs us in the right direction because I do want to see Scream 5. And I'm not too optimistic about it because... 
what's the narrative going to be? Are you going to have Sydney be stalked once again by another copycat killer? Are you going to have another family member be introduced and come into the mix with this? I mean, I think it's slated for January. It's it's either the first or second week of January. And and I'm not sure if you know this, but any horror movie that falls in the category of being released in January is dead. It's 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 a dead flop. Um The Grudge, Leatherface, dead. So do you think it's going to just be a repeat? It's just going to be dead? Or do you think that maybe, based on what they're kind of alluding to in having um, them revisit Stu's house for whatever reason, maybe there's going to be a connection there and bringing back the older cast and having this narrative being inserted to where it's going to be a generational connection? Like, do you have high hopes or do you think that, you know, it's just going to be another horror January movie? And they're just going to completely just wet the bed with that one. I think I think they're going to need to do something super off the wall creative because I, I feel like we're at this point now where 80 slasher fake like slasher movie icons killing a whole bunch of teenagers that are camping, having sex and smoking weed and doing things that they shouldn't be doing necessarily when the parents aren't home is sort of played out. And I think we saw that when the um Freddy Krueger remake was done with Jackie Earl Haley. I was like, you know what? Like, I, I feel like there's sort of this spirit of Freddy Krueger in this, but you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. I just don't know if people are really asking for that. And with Scream, it's like I don't. I know that there's a horror base, and I know that they're going to probably try to appeal to that, but I don't know if there's necessarily a big enough community that's been pining for a fifth Scream movie now. When you have something like Jason and you have something like Freddy and you've got something like Mike Myers and these are characters that or Michael Myers, I should say specifically to not get confused with the actor uh, Austin Powers. But the the with those characters, they've had supernatural elements that keep them alive and keep them going, which I thought was brilliant how they redid Halloween and like sort of retconned all that as sort of like a dream or rumors or what if things. I thought that was kind of clever. But with Scream, it's like there's only so many different ways you can kill Sydney like either kill her or don't but don't make five movies of not killing her like it's too much there's nothing supernatural about like Ghostface. there's nothing it's just the spirit of the killings is kept alive by other people and I, I was I was sort of bothered by how the fourth one ended and spoiler alert it, I mean it's been out for such a long time it's on you if you don't know by now but like yeah 10 years actually man 10 years 10 years 2011 so 2011 insane. scream four yep Jesus like it just seems like the the idea that you have a relative that would become the killer because they want to get that sort of like attention and all that like that I don't know Do you I think don't that think makes that sense a, though like no. picture picture this in, in a sense where she was so I I remember her narrative was you're always getting all the attention people are always talking about you they don't care about me whenever we're at family gatherings you're always brought up. Whenever anything is going on, you're always brought up. I'm sick of it. I want to have that recognition. I want to have that fame. I want it to be about me. And that was during the dawning of the social media era when that started booming off uh, around 2011, 2012, 2013. So do you think that that perhaps maybe that narrative was a bit more acceptable than seeing Scream 3, for example, when her quote-unquote half-brother was still alive and he wanted to get revenge for for what his mom did and all this crazy stuff like do you think the scream for narrative is a bit more believable in a sense where someone is so off the wall that they want that fame for themselves they want that recognition for themselves they want all of that attention for themselves only because of jealousy or do you think that it kind of fits 
the mold of what Scream 3 did, and that's where it should have been left off, in your opinion. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that maybe I, Scream 4, remove Scream 3 completely, okay. and Scream okay. 4 becomes Scream 3, and I would be I'd be fine with that. Okay. Like why? Wh- why is that? Like I think because I felt like the storyline in Scream Three was a bit. I, I feel like it ruined the whole relative, like trying to, to get revenge. I it, see. it ruined that sort of thing. I feel like Scream Four had a better way of handling that with the societal pressure and everything. If Scream Four was Scream Three, and we never got Scream Three, and we sort of like. But but wrote it to obviously to where it makes sense. Like there was yeah. obviously some bits and facts and things at loose ends that would needed to be altered into the story to fit in. That would have made a little bit more sense. I understand this the stress and pressure of social media and how that is, but like I think it's also more believable this girl, if she wanted attention, she probably just would have made like a Patreon or an OnlyFans or something rather right. than not during you know, that time though, twenty eleven. Like Right. So, I mean, well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But but you know, whatever, Twitch stream, you know, do something else. I, I don't know. But Killing your own relative because you're tired. Like, I don't see my family that often. And I certainly know that my family doesn't call me or text me enough to where I feel like unloved or unnoticed. Like, I'm busy. I got a life. I got things. Narcissism runs deep, man. It does. I mean, it does. Those are the vibes I got from her. Because when looking at what you just said, it it puts into question because I remember Wes Craven wanted uh, Dewey to die in the first one. But being the fact that the actor was so outstanding, he kept him around. So do you think... This is going to be a, a, a final hurrah for some of the uh, OG cast members. I would say so because yeah, like I, I remember looking into a documentary. I'm not sure about you, but I, I looked into a documentary where uh, back in the 90s, people were – because we didn't have like crazy information inside scoops or that kind of crazy stuff. You, you can only catch it word to mouth, you know, magazines, whatever. People put it together that Dewey was supposed to die. They – you know, they had a lot of contractual obligations to fulfill certain narratives. Uh, certain cast members leaked out, um, you know, potential plot leaks for the story and in, in insinuating that, you know, a Gale and Sydney were going to live and all this crazy stuff. So do you think that with this movie, like you just said, to up up the ante, someone major has to die? I wouldn't say Sydney right off the gate because I feel like that would be great to see like, oh, crap, like someone actually got her this time. But if you're going to work your way into a potential Scream 6, then would this be the best time to kill off Dewey or Gale and then set up the narrative to where finally the final ever Scream movie could set up the stage for Sydney to having, you know, to finally be killed off? Or do you think this would be the, the, the best time to do it only because you can kind of pass that off to the next generation in having Ghostface kind of pursue, you know, other people? I think... It, it's hard to say because I know my ideas and experiences are my own and I can't I can't necessarily press exactly what I think would be best because I know there's things that I would like to see. I know there's things that other people would like to see. I mean, thinking about it, I, I'm not creative enough to know exactly what they need to do. I but I would say from a personal perspective, Sydney needs to die like you can't just have the killer running around doing things specifically trying to like being reborn under new identities each time, each movie, just because Sydney's alive. Like I it just, it, I think that sort of ruins a little bit for me, you know, like Halloween movies have so many people that k- get killed and, and it's not necessarily always about the same people. And Freddy Krueger's the same way and same thing with like all the other like horror icons that are out there. But the only reason why, the the ghost faced killer exists not the rapper is because he just wants to kill like sydney prescott and i feel like one thing that they could do to flip it on its ear is that 
the amount of people that is, have died in your direct contact. The, if, if, if you're telling me that your cousin is so narcissistic and, and crazy with wanting fame and attention and love and all that, that she would kill you and kill tons of other people just to get that, then I'd have to think that the emotional like turmoil that Sydney feels would damage her mentally to where she would become psychotic and she would have breaks in reality. And maybe she takes on the role of the killer or something like that. And then there, she dies because she has to be stopped. She is the reason why Ghostface lives. So what better way to own that by having her become Ghostface? Because I, just, I, I feel like there's a lot of traumas that people go through in, in reality that if it happens to them, they're far likely to repeat and pass on that behavior, like become that behavior and then pass it on to someone else by doing it again. And so I feel like that would be something that I would like to see is Sydney having some sort of like freaky situation that she can't quite fully understand kind of like a Edward Norton narrator fight club situation with uh, Tyler Durden, like that sort of experience. And maybe we don't know throughout the majority of the movie. So it's still a whodunit. But then later we feel realize like, oh, my gosh, like it's Sydney and it's, you know, things are still happening, you know, something like that. But I think I think if I'm not mistaken, right, you, there's there was talk of not just five. There was like a six planned as well. Like well, they've got from, multiple from what's movies being discussed them, right? now, there are rumors that there are going to be more scream films. But this is where this perspective kind of comes in. It's like, OK, well, if Sydney dies, you could still have scream. But would that be as marketable, you know, to, to audiences just like Jamie Lee Curtis? Right. A lot of people were like, well, you can't have Halloween without her. Um, and they did a, they created a whole new timeline where guess what she's alive and it takes place after the very first original Halloween film. So instead of her being the killer though, how would you feel if one of the people within her inner circle, like Gail or Dewey, this time tried to kill her because every single time, like her cousin, something was brought up. It was always like, oh, forget about you, but what about Sydney? Right. Do you think that would be kind of like unexpected or would that be something where it's just like, all right, but just why, you know, or that would that be stupid? I don't I don't know, because like from the from sort of like a top down perspective, I don't have an answer other than I feel like I it wouldn't satisfy me as someone who enjoys these movies. Uh, but it also depends on how you could, you could take any idea that at face value sounds stupid and then make it into something brilliant. Like this is just sort of random. This is unrelated. But I, I would say this is that recently after Wonder Woman 1984, I was pissed at how bad that movie was. I thought it was going to be good and it just wasn't immediately after that same day within the hour. I started up the Harley Quinn movie uh, Birds of Prey. And I thought that movie was going to be garbage. It just like, you know what? Okay, Margot Robbie's great as an actress. I liked her as Harley Quinn. But does she really deserve her own movie? And after seeing that, hell yes. That movie was amazing. It was actually really freaking good. I was blown away by how good that movie was. And I don't have any criticism of it. It wasn't perfect because you know, no movie is. But it's exactly what I wanted. It was so good, so much better than I expected. And I remember crapping on that movie hard, having seen the trailers, read the premise, seeing who was in it. And I still was like, this movie is going to suck. And then I don't remember hearing much about it. And then I finally saw it. I'm like, this took an idea that I thought was going to be dumb. And it was phenomenal. And you took a great idea, which was Wonder Woman 84 as a whole. And it was just so poorly executed that I'm like, okay, like, I, I feel like, you know, some high school kids could probably write a better screenplay than what was shown in this movie. 
And I feel like the same could be said about literally anything is like you can take a good movie, but in the wrong hands or a good screenplay in the wrong hands, it becomes garbage. If you take a crazy idea in the right hands, it becomes a masterpiece. So it's definitely possible. But I do think that we're getting to the point of exhaustion with this franchise, at least. Uh, Well, I, I use that term loosely because there's a lot of time in between these movies. And like you said, it's 10 years since Scream 4. So that's a pretty decent amount of time between movies to not tire it out. But I just don't know how many more times the plot can hinder on the fact of people trying to kill Sydney and being unsuccessful. The franchise being built around that, like if really you're just going to see the movie because it's a guy in the ghost face costume slashing up teens, if that's really all it is that you're looking for, then they can just keep doing the exact same rinse and repeat. So then what every do you do? And- Especially nowadays, right? Because I I understand the whole premise of why um slasher films were a thing back in the 80s and 90s because you did have the stigma of babysitters back in the day man we had some weird people we had a bunch of babysitter killers uh, killers in real life we had a a bunch of babysitter killers that were murdering people on the west coast we had a whole slew of shit happening that you know involved actual serial killers and you know things of that nature so they they were inspired by that but nowadays it's like what could you really be inspired about that that can set off a good narrative that, that isn't cheesy um a good example would be the slasher genre someone might say well all right well scream is corny okay but how do you turn scream then into something that's modern sensical and logical in its approach to where it leaves you kind of spooked out if not scared in the idea that okay even though it didn't have anything to do with monsters or goblins or whatever it was still pretty kind of nerve-wracking only because it could happen in real life like do you think like like what more can you really do if it's not just your typical slasher-esque kind of thing, you know? Like, what more can you introduce? So as we talk about this, I think about this more because I'm so enthralled and fascinated by the lore of horror icons. I want to know why Jason doesn't die. I want to know why Michael keeps coming back. I want to know how it is that Freddy Krueger seems to keep building his presence around fear and coming back each time. The crossovers were rad. I love the idea that Michael like had a storyline where there was a, like a crazy like demon devil worshiping cult or whatever. Yeah. The thorn series. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, maybe the movies themselves weren't so great, but the idea behind it was super crazy. And to think that Jason is a deadite, like, you know, if you, you know, the original creator said that that was a good, like, so I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. I love that. And then you watch things like Jeepers Creepers, right? The Creeper always popping up once every 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The lore is amazing. And I think the thing that I would, that I'm reminded of, and that I think would be really cool to do in Scream now that we're talking about it and you asked what I think, you hot fuzz it. You do what they did in Hot Fuzz is you make it that there's not one killer. There's many and you find out that it's a society. Maybe make it that every single person that has tried to kill Sidney Prescott, it it has like sworn something to secrecy that she has to die. But they're part of a bigger thing going on. Yeah. Make it be a cult. Make it be that Sydney has something about her that she has to die for some clever creative reason. Make it be that, you know, the the scream face like or, or the ghost face, like something about that needs to live on in some way and it will just continue. And the only way if they were to successfully kill Sydney in this movie and continue with the franchise would be to then introduce a interesting, compelling character that we care so much about that we see in later movies that follow that we want to see them survive it and take it down. But of course, then you get into the minutia of like, okay, like, is that even feasible? Do people really want to see that? What happens if the cult is like, if that exists, like 
do we explore an avenue where maybe there's you know a detective like maybe dewey has it is a detective now or something he's moved up in the police force and maybe he's trying to dismantle like the scream cult like from within and you know then he finds out like oh my god gail's actually a member and she only married me because she's you know trying to get close to you know whatever like there's there are elements maybe in that direction but i don't know like is that contrivance is that cliche is that something people want to see like you don't really know until you throw it on paper you make people read it out loud and act it out and then you record it and then you throw it in a theater or, or a streaming service and then and then we know it's kind of a shot in the dark but i i know that maybe this wouldn't be one of those things where they can just keep on having one or two people bounce back and forth under the mask trying to kill Sydney because they just think she's, you know, a nuisance of some sort that's just really annoying and getting too much of attention. I don't know how much you can do that. I'm not really sure if they're following the formula of what Halloween did with them going into another timeline uh, or at least introducing like a narrative to where they're like, all right, well, we don't count these movies. We're just going to count this. Do you think that's the future um, in terms of the horror movies uh, in, in, in giving us something to where, for example, uh, we go back and watching Friday the 13th and we know that Jason's mom is the killer and all this kind of crazy stuff. So do you think that it's more feasible nowadays to go into the Halloween direction to where they do another Friday movie, except let's just say if this one comes out tomorrow, they explain it to where, well, this takes place during the events of right after the first one and with Jason's mom and 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 then we get to realize like what that is like so do you think that carrying this on over by having movies split timelines is like the next direction because you can only go so far by doing part one two three four five six seven but do you think it's more feasible to say okay well we could do parts one two three four five six and seven but how about if we do that but we make another entry to where they go into a different timeline where this takes place after the second movie. This takes place after the first movie. You know, stuff like that. Or do you think that it should go off the basis of it having to be numerical? I think I think that there's going to be a combination of that. I think for the most part, what ultimately you're looking again back to what we're talking about, two different things. You've got people like Danny McBride that – for them, they want the movie to be liked and to be good, and they know that that's their first priority, and as a result of that, a byproduct of it being good, it makes money. We want people to like it. We want people to see it, and if they do, then we'll keep doing it, and it'll keep making money, and we'll just keep going. So they'll have to find the formula that works. I don't know if every single like movie franchise around horror icons can necessarily just kind of feed off of what McBride and his group did by being like, okay, we're going to go back in time, and we're going to say that the first – Friday the 13th movie we're going to now have a direct sequel to that that curves around to a whole new timeline that just ignores everything else that happened like there's a lot of crazy things like Jason takes Manhattan Jason X Freddy versus Jason like all these things that that keep taking place it's like I think the most recent Friday Friday the 13th remake with Jared Padalecki I think that was fun I think there were some elements to that that were really neat. They removed the supernatural element aspect of it. And they Let were this like, sink okay, in for a bit. That was in 2009. God, I just can't. I can't freaking believe it. And Padalecki still looks good with that full head of hair, that chiseled 11 jaw. 11 years ago. Looking, Can you believe hey, that? Freaking crazy. But I liked, I liked what they did in that movie where they were like, how do we make it seem as though Jason can walk but is always there? It's like, okay, we're going to have – sort of like a, a Downton Abbey kitchen thing where there's like bells that trigger different parts of 
like the the like the traps camp. right in a sense yeah yeah and then so then he's like oh okay they're over at the south side of the lake oh they're by the northeastern cabin location like and then he can just go underground and avoid any sort of like brush bush kind of like the or, hollow earth theory where you can just go yeah. from point a to point b without the distraction yeah, yeah. i liked i like that now i thought they were going to do a sequel with that and maybe they were maybe they weren't but they didn't and well, copyright, i don't know lots how many of lawsuits more. too don't forget that yeah yeah, no kidding. And I think I think that's why we also end up getting obstacles in the way of doing fun crossovers. Like, yeah, we got the Freddy versus Jason and that was fun. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't like an ideal uh way to handle that, but I, I was entertained by it and I and I liked it. But they're they're owned and operated under the same studio executives and everything, so they could make it work. You'd have a much harder time trying to do say like Michael Myers and you know, in Jason Voorhees or whatever. Now they did this in the comics, I think, where they had a lot more crossovers. All oh, the comics were great, man. They did uh, Ash that. versus uh, Jason and Freddy. They did uh, a oh. bunch of crossovers with. Um, I think there was one where Freddy. There was a what if where Freddy, uh, kind of instead of going to Jason to get him to kill in his name, he got Michael to do it instead. Um, so freaking rare. It was just a lot, but at the same time, another a good example of things that could follow is there's another. Texas Chainsaw movie coming out. I'm not sure if you saw the poster or the teaser. It looks the. I mean, the the art behind it looks insane because it looks like a, a skin faced mask. It's it looks morbid. It, it's awesome looking, but I lost. I'm, I'm sorry, I lost my faith in uh, Texas Chainsaw movies. Yeah. It's it's not. I I saw Leatherface. I saw Texas Chainsaw 3D. I saw all of them. You know, the beginning. There's something about it that's just not right. Do you think the the problem with horror, do you think that it's the writing? Do you think it's maybe the writing is decent, but it's the people behind it, maybe the producers, directors? Like what do you what do you think is the problem? Like what do you think is the main problem of movies like, you know, Child's Play? Like we saw the the reboot to that. We saw, you know, Texas shit. We saw so many movies. Why are these movies underperforming in a sense to where the title and the IP behind it has so much weight, but the delivery is just garbage. Why is that? I think it's because we have a lot of different forms of media that we can consume these days. There's so many different ways to consume things, so many different regions and parts of the world that have created horror things from the ground up that we experience. And now we have a different set of expectations. Child's Play in and of itself, I think, is one of those franchises that was neat the first time around. But the idea of a freaking doll is... That makes my skin crawl. And so I'm not a huge fan. I didn't see that one. And so I was never really, I never really subscribed to that franchise. And I don't really care about the lore. I don't really care about the character. I don't really, and it, I think uh, Mark Hamill was the voice of the, of, of Chucky in that, right? Like he I was, think yep, yep. That's a, that's a cool thing, but you know, that's, that doesn't really drive me to the theater. That doesn't get me there. I'm not really that interested. I'm far more interested in other characters because there's, lore and intrigue about it but then again you have writers that take it to be like okay let's just throw buckets of blood on the screen and make it as gross as possible and i think they they miss out on possibilities of what it means to have a good scare now i i I think one movie that stands out to me as being like super great was a movie called the strangers and that ah yes i remember that the second one was was, garbage never saw the second one didn't care to oh no just (laughs) don't I stayed away from it because I didn't think it needed to. But The Strangers was truly scary. Like that movie was the first time I was ever on the edge of my seat. There was nothing supernatural about it. There was just a lot of in the background, they're there. 
they're watching as the as the people the, the, that ultimately become victims in the movie are just going about their daily lives and their business and whatever they're being watched they're being hunted they're being observed there's they're being manipulated things are going missing or things are being moved like they're being messed with and it builds up such a massive tense thing that by the time we get to the killing it's like i'm already like losing my mind but then when you look at things like Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers and all that stuff and in the latest Halloween movie, I think was good. But I, I feel like we come to expect what's going on. There's not a whole lot that is surprising in that anymore because it's like, OK, like I now know the formula of the jock, the the cheerleader, the the pot smoker, uh, the annoying nerdy friend, like pretty much every single one of the power rangers basically like w- without the powers those personalities are the types that you can expect to be in a horror movie and you know you know which ones are going to be killed oh this guy's an arrogant prick he's probably going to die like oh this woman is a or this is a, a teenager who's you know blonde and and bubbly and she's you know sleeping with and cheating on her boyfriend like she's going to die like you know those things are going to happen so there's not really a lot of tensity or thrills that build up so i'm like i i i come to expect everything that happens on screen. And then when it does, I'm not surprised. So that doesn't really catch me off guard, but then it's just tons of blood. So now as an audience member, I'm staring at tons of blood, someone who's been cut in half, their intestines are hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, in theory, that's a scary thought, but looking at it, it's just gory and gross. And there's a lot more to horror movies that you need to really get you on edge, to really make you be like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? Like if you don't see it coming, that's the scary part. Now for me though, and I don't know if you do this, but I do this a lot. My one of my closest friends and I like zombie movies in particular. Anytime we're out in public, we always consider zombie movies and we always consider like, OK, if a zombie outbreak happened like right now, like what would we do? Where would we go? What are our resources? And it's just a fun little game that we play because we're nice to all my friends. Too. Too, I lie. <laughs> Freaking love it. But like but horror movies as well. It's like the only thing that's curious to me is like if you get in this situation if you were tied up in a basement and there's a killer upstairs sharpening his steak knives because he's about to cut off your limbs and he's going to like eat it, you know, your, your body parts in front of you because you know, this is like hostile or some nonsense. Like how do you get out of it? How do you sort like survive? How do you escape? What sort of clever tactics can you use to get out of it? And I think to myself, like, okay, how's he going to do this? If this ever happens to me, like if I get captured, you know, by elite hunting and they're going to like, you know, hack me up or whatever, what can I do to escape? You know, those are things, reasons like I watch the movies because nowadays there's not, there's not a lot that surprises me. And that's why The Strangers from 2008, like, was a movie that surprised me because in a sea of, of movies that was just blood, blood, blood spraying everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Like, this was a movie that didn't really rely on that so much. Like, and I, I kind of like the idea of it building the tension between the audience and the unsuspecting victims like they're going about their business and they're thinking weird things that are happening or just oh this is just a weird coincidence like you know that's too bad that this you know I'm, I'm missing my letter opener for some reason it's not in my stationary cabinet or whatever you know and but you know that someone's probably going to get hacked to pieces with that letter opener and you're like oh my god like which one is it going like to be the movie like, wrong like, turn yeah wrong turn yeah wrong turn and they made like a dozen of those movies. they made like they yeah they made like me. six of those man and they fell off after a while i was like bro like again same thing they they keep creating these uh these movies and the narrative just drops and and you you brought up zombie movies another disappointing one that i saw uh in theaters what was it now wow almost eight years ago was world war z what happened yeah right like wow that awful nothing like the books wasn't even a horror movie it 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 had 
elements to it that didn't really make a whole lot it of made sense like five like, or six hundred million but bro like what yeah. off of what <laughs> yeah i i was disappointed in that too i'm like this this isn't exactly my idea of zombies like i wasn't really into that like this is what i'm saying man like is it the people behind these projects that are just ruining you know concepts yeah. like this like paul ws anderson and whoever the hell was behind I world war so. z like because I, I would only assume that if something's already pre-made like a resident evil or a world war z you know you have everything in front of you it's just about putting it together so that's why i'm like wait a minute so who's responsible for like just putting up this disaster you know so that's why this year i'm like all right well I'm really hoping that something good comes out of it. You know, from that realm, uh, of course, I'm, I'm excited for other things as well. Um, it's just a matter of, like, where we're going to be in the world. Um, the, for us to be where we want to be, it, I, I don't know. It's just, to me, when it comes to horror, there's only... I'm only excited for a few things far in between that excite me. Um, we mentioned a bunch of them here today. But everything else is just kind of, like, stigmatized because I watched almost everything i have this really cool amazon fire stick that i have everything cracked on so i've watched a crap ton of movies um i remember even in july when peninsula came out which was the sequel to train to busan when that movie dropped over there i already had it on the fire stick and i watched it and it was phenomenal not as great as train to busan was but you get the point so it's more or less like when i look back on certain things i'm like damn I don't know if it's because I've seen it all that really has me like all like not really on the edge of my seat as I once used to be or or in a sense where I'm looking at things from a very hypercritical standpoint to where I'm looking at this year and I'm like, all right, man, you got you got a few heavy hitters coming our way or is it going to connect or is it just going to be a flop? So um, any final words before we go in terms of expectations or in terms of uh, anything that you're kind of excited about, you know, just when looking at uh, what the year is going to be bringing? So. <laughs> we we're talking about 2021 and because 2020 was such a such a you know obviously very chaotic year for 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 people and a very weak year for entertainment there i i think 2021 is the course correcting year and then i think we're going to really start getting it back to the normal in 2022 i think a lot of things are probably going to be delayed i think a lot of things we're looking forward to in 21 are going to be in 2022 really? but there's one thing i, I think so um, just because I, I don't know, we're off to a rocky start this year already. So who knows it, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel it. I feel it in my core that it's, it's, it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. But that being said, there's one particular special thing of note that I want to bring up that's coming in 2022. And that is Callisto protocol. I've never heard, heard of that. Of that? What is that? Oh my God, my friend, I will have to link you this, uh, this article that I wrote on my website, geekoutpost.com. All right. So Callisto protocol, this is, this is weird and I'm, I'm going to lose you because it's going to sound super odd. Callisto protocol is being made by the original creators of Dead Space. Okay. It is being referred to as the spiritual successor to Dead Space. Okay. However, it takes place like, I believe 300 years in the future. Of player unknowns battlegrounds, but it is not a battle royale. Player so unknowns again, battlegrounds. Yes. So the tr- I will I will link it to you right now uh, in Discord. Does it so have anything to do with Dead Space? Yes and no. Okay. So Dead Space Three has, was yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the ending of Dead Space Three made my skin crawl, and it I was did. disappointed we didn't get Dead Space Four. But the overall experience of Dead Space Three, one I and think two were just because it was fantastic. Like I just one went, and two were perfect. Games. My God. Yeah. 
Dead Space 3 was hard to swallow because of the microtransactions and that really so spiritual me, but- successor in what in what kind of a way though are we talking like similar to how Back for Blood is doing it with Left 4 Dead that's exactly what it is. Ah. So Callisto Protocol is is being developed by a brand new studio. Um, it's so the co there's a co creator Dead Space by the name of Glenn Schofield, and he was he was the one who originally came up with the concept of Dead Space. He created a new studio called Striking Distance, and I guess it was bought by one of the parent companies of PUBG or something like that. Like I think it was a uh, oh god, what was it, Blue Hole or something like that? I forget. I forget. But basically. The same company that does all the PUBG stuff owns uh, Striking Distance, and they're making Callisto Protocol. And it looks like a like a like a it looks like Dead Space. The trailer looks and shares a lot of similarities in style. Like it looks like they've got health bars that you can see that are ingrained in their neck. And it takes place look three hundred years in the future of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, despite the fact that PUBG doesn't really seem, from my knowledge, to have any lore or story to it. But whatever is going on with the whole like uh, battle royale on an island thing, three hundred years in the future after those events, things are happening in Callisto Protocol. And the trailer shows a guy who's in prison, and he has some sort of like it, it looks like some sort of um, augmented uh, enhancer or something like that that has been added to his neck that shows what appears to be his health. And he's in his prison cell, and something happens, and this nasty, disgusting like alien creature like appears in his cell and like just devours him and eats him it looks like a cross between a necromorph and like a lot of the the ambient like like guts and weird things that you see in dead space and red uh um and uh resident evil and uh, silent hill like you know how you go to like like the movie the thing yeah very yes i think that's a very good way of looking at it it looks like a like that monster looked like it was like turned inside out and it's all wet and bloody and like covered in teeth and just nasty. And that's what oh, this don't thing give is. me hope, bro. Oh dude, it looks absolutely beautiful. Now here's, here are the connections with, with dead space. So first we know it's coming from the co-creator of dead space. Allegedly, this story is taking pieces away from what the original planned script for dead space three was supposed to be before EA got involved and turned it into a micro transaction. Gotcha. Nonsense. Thing. Gotcha. It also takes a lot of elements from what you would have expected in Dead Space 4 because that was planned before Visceral Studios got bought yep. by EA and then shut down later in 2017. But the trailer itself is filled with a whole bunch of Easter eggs. For instance, one of the Easter eggs is in the prison cell, scribbled on the wall. It says, I see was here and JC was here too. These are both clear references to Isaac, Isaac Clark and yeah. John Carver. Okay. Another thing is, is that you can hear a portion of the song Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, which can be heard, which is a I love that. That song. was from the first one, right? Yeah. So Twinkle Twinkle Little Star has appeared in, I think, all the, tra- not all, but in at least one trailer for all three of the Dead Space games. So it's sort of like an homage to that. Uh, the prisoner that we don't know of, but in the trailer, the prisoner is reading a book on engineering, which Isaac was his profession. But it's like, okay, if that's not enough, if you look at the author of the book, it's E. Langford, which is a, re- a reference to Isaac's love interest in Dead Space 2 and 3, Ellie Langford. The number on the prisoner's jumpsuit is Isaac Clark's birthday. And then, of course, there are uh, some other elements that other people have like pointed out too, but it's like they're really like laying it on thick that, hey, like for whatever reason, we have like not explained it and we don't understand as like people that are looking into this, how this is somehow related to PUBG, but it is just filled to the brim with dead space it looks like 
Dead Space and I think the thing is a great comparison for sure. Like it looks like that and it looks bloody and violent and gory. And again, I think it's supposed to play out like Dead Space does, not like a PUBG. It just takes place in the same universe for some reason. But all we know is, is that it, you're playing a character. I don't know if it's the same one that you see in the trailer. Maybe, maybe not. But there's a huge alien thing going on. You're in a prison on some, it looks like a remote asteroid or moon maybe. It could be on Earth, but it doesn't exactly look like it's on Earth. And bad things are happening. And a lot of people are going to die. And there's going to be a lot of gore. That's that, what that this looks like. That sounds really, really fun. Hopefully it is going to be a spiritual successor. Because, I mean, just with me, I I, I really fell off with, Def, uh, with uh, Dead Space 3. I think Dead Space 3 to me was a huge turnoff. I loved the first one, I really enjoyed the second one. It was they were just great. So I'm definitely going to look this up right as soon as we're done here because if it's something that that's promising and that that's going to deliver, I think in those fields, then I'm I'm all on board for sure. So uh, Mark, thank you so much for being here. You guys can go on ahead and follow Mark and I on Twitter and his YouTube channel. I will be leaving it down below if you guys are watching or listening to this on YouTube. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Subscribe if you guys are new. Hit the like button for all, if you guys are, again, watching on YouTube. Mark, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic uh, year ahead of you, and I hope that we don't get ourselves into more bullshit and uh, we survive going our way into 2022. So thank you all so much for watching, and we'll be uh, seeing you guys next time.